Welcome to Warren Radio, with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battleline. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. Warren Radio Battleline's broadcast is an in-depth Bible study and if you have any correspondence and inquiries you would like to send to the WIBR Warren Radio, you can do so through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Today is the 30th of January, 2020. And our scripture reading for this week is Exodus chapter 10. Verses one through thir- uh, see, chapter ten, verses one through chapter thirteen, verse sixteen, Jeremiah chapter forty six, verses thirteen through twenty eight, and First Corinthians eleven, chapter eleven, verses twenty through thirty four. Be sure to follow the the Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag WatchmanIS216 or hashtag Warren Radio. On LinkedIn, you can find us by hashtag Watchman. You can join us on USA.life and MeWe at hashtag Warren Radio. You can listen to our shows through Warren-USA.com or DanaGlennSmith.com. You can also listen on Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcast, Anchor, Deezer, and we are now on Podchaser. Please be sure to take time to read the pertinent articles by the Watchmen and passing them on to your friends. And you can do so by going to warren-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com. And this week we feature God's Overcoming Grace for Perilous Times. God's Overcoming Grace is understood as his favor toward us. Here in the end of days we find perilous times. A person or a family can face personal challenges so great it would break them. Also, raging America among the nations. Raging America. If I were the most famous preacher on earth, I could not do it. If suddenly everyone in America were listening to me, I could not do it. So go to warn-usa.com and datagrunsmith.com and there you can read the articles and pass them on to your family and friends. And now I welcome in the Watchmen, but first here is a word. You are listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us 
on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. Even if it's snowy and cold outside, it's warm and toasty in here. Well, sort of toasty, sort of warm. Warmer than outside. Well, well, it's been warm and toasty in here when it's been cold outside. Yeah, I'm thankful to have a dwelling to live in. Well, you know, up here in our neck of the woods, and you know, winters have always been tough for the people that live up north, and they get used to it. I'd rather be in this than be in an igloo. <laughs> Me too. It, yeah, in the yes, old days, uh, you know, uh, clear up in the Arctic, the Eskimos would live in igloos. They didn't have no lumber, so they had to use what they what they could find. It's uh, an amazing thing when you think about it, how people exist. Yeah. You know. So at any rate, yeah. today we are in Isaiah 19. We should make it to 20. And so I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. Okay. So we are in part 34. And uh, we've actually looked at uh, chapter 20 for part of the stuff we were looking at for this section. But we've got to get through the back end of chapter 19. We've been dealing with Egypt, Assyria, and Israel. And the thing that's been interesting in this part is that, and as we covered last time, they were going to set up a pillar in verse 19. And the pillar would be for a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. Uh, And, uh, you know, the thing of it is, is that the whole idea here is that, of course, Sennacherib is going to be coming through the region. He, uh, his ultimate goal uh, will be uh, to, he's actually going to meet his in over uh, in Jerusalem when he comes up. And of course, Hezekiah's there and the angel of the Lord destroys his army and Sennacherib later on is killed by his two sons while he worships in the temple of his God. It's interesting to note, and, and we'll cover this when we get to 20, that Sennacherib, although, um, you know, he was destroyed, and uh, there was a, an agreement uh, in in here between Israel and, <clears throat> and uh, Assyria, but Israel always had a, a kind of a over... Um, I mean, a connection to Egypt. And there is no doubt that it goes back to the time of Joseph. Uh, Because even in Jeremiah's time, when Judah finally did fall, uh, they wanted to fall back into Egypt. 
And of course, that's where uh, Jacob went to survive the famine that was going on, and Joseph was there waiting for him. So Egypt has always had that connection with Israel. It's really interesting, this particular connection. And I would suffice it to say that even today, there's still a connection between Egypt and Israel to this day. And I, I think that in all of, the, all of the enemies of Israel, you really don't hear Egypt standing up as one of them. Most of the time when we're even talking about the persecuted church, we're talking about, you know, Egypt. They have indeed. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, of uh, push by certain groups in Egypt to uh, go after the Christians there. But, uh, you know, Egypt really is not like the rest of them. And in this particular thing, when you get to the last part of Isaiah 19, uh, you know, people are looking at this, uh, th- these prophecies of Isaiah, and they're going to set up a memorial, and it's going to be for a sign of witness to the Lord of hosts. These are terrific uh, um, prophecies here. And, of course, uh, at the time, they thought that it meant that uh, they were, you know, would really, that prophecy would point to the fact that Sennacherib would uh, um uh, come through, and uh, he would be destroyed. You know, there there would be a um, I'm I'm trying to get to this again because I uh, and of course we know now that. Sennacherib was destroyed by an angel of the Lord, well, Grotus. And a lot of the, when we deal with commentaries and history, a lot of writers uh, have their various ideas. And because we already know that uh, Sennacherib was destroyed by an angel, this could be exactly what Isaiah 19.20 refers to. But I, I don't really like to get put into that kind of a thing all the time because I think there, there we know that uh, scriptures can have uh, other fulfillments as well, uh, and there is no doubt about it that uh, when when you deal with Israel and and even Egypt in the end of days, th- there is that connection. So as we move forward. And you get into verse 21, and this is where we left off. And the Lord shall be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians uh, shall know the Lord in that day, and shall do sacrifice and oblation. And uh, that particular word, oblation, it will denote any offering. Uh, it's not a bloody sacrifice or a thank offering. It's not like we're talking about uh, the Jews in the temple would offer, uh, you know, um, sacrifices to the Lord. Um, the thing that when we look at this, you know, we, and this again, you know, because they knew that Assyria, Syria was a threat, um, you had Ethiopia and you had Egypt. And of course we discussed the, the trouble that was in, uh, Egypt, that in fact, Ethiopia, uh, that uh, connection between Ethiopia and Egypt um, 
would uh, find its uh, place where this threat of Assyria was coming. But the fact that he actually got destroyed uh, before he got to Egypt would provide that uh, angelic uh, intervention. So they would have been absolutely excited that uh, this happened at Jerusalem. And Sennacherib was indeed uh, killed later on by his kids, but that's not the end of the story. Um, And of course, uh, um, the Jews living near, um, you know, to Egypt here, uh, many writers believe that um, within this, that the Jews had that opportunity to escape Sennacherib because he didn't get destroyed until he got uh, to Jerusalem and he would have been doing uh, damage before he got there. And this, this is one of the things that happened, but when he got to Jerusalem has ended now, see the, the thing of it is, is that that didn't end Assyria's empire, but um, uh, Sennacherib is on the lower totem pole uh, when we talk about the end of the Assyrian Empire anyway th- there was uh, several uh, in the end of that uh, empire and uh, when it finally came to an end and of course it, it gets to the same point when we look at Nineveh uh, Nineveh of course uh, was going to be destroyed they repented Jonah didn't want to go because he knew that they would be Um, forgiven by the Lord if they repented and he didn't want that because Nineveh was a bother to Israel and to other nations Um, and then of course there was the Assyrians Uh, Nineveh eventually got destroyed Nahum warned about it uh, because 70 years later they had forgotten the Lord God and so now we you know we see the Assyrians but uh, the Assyrians eventually got brought down and then there was the Babylonians and the Babylonians uh, did finish off uh, Jerusalem and take the Jews captive for 70 years but they were finished off uh, by the Medo-Persian Empire uh, so on it goes, you know, one empire after another in Israel, just tiny Israel. It's not really that big. But uh, the thing of it is, is that during the time of David, David was a warrior king and he defeated his enemies. And he had a lot of, he did have internal strife, especially after he had indeed committed adultery with uh you know, uh, Bathsheba, but nonetheless, everything got straightened out there and he had Solomon who had the kingdom. And so Israel at that point rose to all glory. So um, Israel though fell away and fell into two houses. And of course we're reading now in Isaiah and when we get into Jeremiah and when we get into Ezekiel and uh, many, uh, Uh, of these uh, prophets that we have there. It's actually uh, the post uh, time after um, Solomon, after Israel had sinned, been divided. And so you you have all these nation states, all these uh, big uh, groups of very horrific warriors. Now see, even Ethiopia uh, had warriors that were well known up there. It's just like if you get in history books, uh, Mongols, 
and Cossacks, and there's there's really uh, various uh, um, people throughout history that uh, if you get over uh, in the Mongol area, over in China, parts of that, northern China, Mongol and uh, Mongolia, and back in the, then in Russia, the Russian Cossacks, these people were fierce warriors. Uh, and so uh, Ethiopia had fierce warriors. And, and of course, Egypt uh, got caught up and, and actually had some problems in there. But here in Isaiah 19, 1, the Lord shall be known to Egypt. The Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day and shall do sacrifice. Um, and, of course, many people relate to this to the fact that this is, of course, before Sennacherib really comes. But when he does begin to come in, the Jews living there actually uh, run into Egypt and uh, to get out of the way of uh, Sennacherib. But in the process, um, and they would uh, live and come and bring their faith into Egypt. Thus, some of the Egyptians would uh, would come to know the Lord. Uh, but see, he would be known anyway, because, um, and this does not necessarily mean in a personal way, uh, because of the fact that um, even Babylon knew of the prophecies of Jeremiah, and they knew of the God of Israel and what what he had done. And so they knew very well what the prophet was saying. The one thing that these nations knew of, they knew of the Jewish prophets, that if you had a true Jewish prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah or any one of these, uh, these Gentile nations really didn't want anything to do with them. Because back then, uh, you, you go deal in with a, a Jewish prophet and you're there to kill him, you're going to wind up dead. Uh, we've seen that, uh, you know, I mean, th that's just the way it is. Uh, you didn't mess with them. You know, the scripture tells you, you know, I mean, you fear God and the prophets. Uh, of course, today we don't fear God and we don't have any real true Jewish prophets around or even in our own prophets. You know, they're not calling down fire. They're not doing anything. They're nothing to be afraid of. But yet, in the midst of this, we do see miracles and signs and wonders on the mission field and things like this when they're doing. In verse 22, the Lord shall smite Egypt, he shall smite and heal it, and they shall return uh, even unto the Lord, and he shall be entreated of them and sh uh, shall heal them. And see, here's another one. I want to put this there because this this is yet to be, I believe this is absolute uh, future prophecy here um and i i do think however that there can be uh portions of these that can be fulfilled but see verse 22 the lord shall smite egypt he shall smite and heal it they shall return even unto the lord he shall be entreated of them and heal them in that day there shall be a highway out of egypt to assyria and the assyrian shall come into egypt and the egyptian into assyria and the egyptian shall serve with the assyrians in that day, Israel shall be third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. And w within these, this is the last part of uh, Isaiah in verse 25, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. And of course, you know, w within this, I mean, I see absolutely a future fulfillment of Egypt coming to the Lord 
coming to the Messiah, as will Israel. I believe there's going to be a time. I think that's exactly what this, and I believe this will be especially fulfilled during the millennium. So you take Isaiah uh, uh, 19.22, the Lord shall smite Egypt. He was going to smite Egypt. He had already brought judgment there. But remember what we've talked about in all of these things here, and that is judgment is meant to bring repentance and bring people into relationship. And, of course, you know, there's many, uh, many people that over the years um, see God as this mean, nasty God that kills everybody, you know. And he's hateful and he's jealous. And, uh, I mean, we have all kinds of of people that uh, come up with these scenarios because they don't know the Lord. They don't know uh, anything about this. They just assume it. There's others that look at all of these stories and just see mere stories. They don't think they're real. Um, so uh, we have a real big uh, issue uh, trying to get the gospel and the understanding out to people because, number one, they've shut it off. Number two, they've been listening to people for so many years that that doesn't help. So it takes a real work of the Lord in order to get a people to awaken. I mean, uh, if you go into Iran, Iran is an enemy of Israel, but not all Iranians are enemies of Israel. Uh, The chief uh, uh, spiritual leader in Iran, the Ayatollah, doesn't know the Lord God. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. He recently called the peace plan that uh, um, Trump came up with as satanic. Well, of course he would call it satanic, because anything that doesn't include Iran taking over Israel is satanic, because they think they serve the truth. They don't. They serve the devil, but they have no clue. And when I say they, I mean the leadership, I mean uh, the Ayatollah, that's the way it is. But within Iran right now, Iran, uh, they've had a lot of Muslims that's come to the Lord. And that's why they're, the, uh, you know, a real chief persecutor of Christians over there because of the fact that Iranians are coming to the Lord. Uh, one of the ministries uh, that we uh, have uh, talked about um, right now, uh, and of course, this is another thing, um, Pastor Paul and two of his minister pastors that he was with have been captured by uh, Hindu uh, radicals, and uh, they took them captive. And so we don't know what their state are. Uh, we got a letter uh, from uh, their ministry asking us to pray for them. But uh, we, I'll tell you, we've reported on real Old Testament miracle type uh, new. Testament, apostolic, book of Acts type miracles with with these ministries. They're all former Muslims who became Christians. And uh, right now they're working in northern India. But, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, this is the way God works. And so uh, to look at these verses here and just see that one day God is going to reach out and going to be combining these kingdoms, that they're going to be united as one people. They're not going to be rival. They're not going to be hostile. They're not going to be contending. They're going to be together, united and friendly. It actually almost sounds, uh, you know, during uh, something like uh, the millennium. And uh, the prophecy, uh, and of course, uh, 
within this, uh, the spread of true religion and the worship of the true God. And, and this isn't a civil alliance. This isn't, uh, uh, um, uh, a political or a civil alliance. That's according to Albert Barnes, but you can look at this. You can read the context. You know very well who it is. The Lord hosts in verse 25, blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands and Israel, my inheritance. That is Israel with uh, two Gentile nations. But see, Egypt, remember Egypt, because uh, and I've taught on this many, many times. Egypt is really where the Gentile line got really engrafted into the line of Jacob. And it was engrafted through Joseph because he became the second in uh, in in power in Egypt, just under the Pharaoh himself, and Joseph married a pagan priest's daughter who would have known the Lord, absolutely, because she would have seen what Joseph uh, had been doing, what the Lord had done through him, so she would have believed. And she had two kids, Manasseh and Ephraim, and it was through Ephraim, the youngest, that the blessings went through, and it was the same blessing of Abraham, that in him would all the nations of the earth um, be blessed. So that's why when we talk about Ephraim, we take it a little further, that there's actually a portion that in him the Gentiles would be blessed. So we find in this verse very prophetic uh, uh, very prophetic connections when we talk about Egypt, when we talk about Israel. And then, of course, you got Assyria in there that that comes in. So you, you look at the whole of the Middle East. It is in chaos. The devil's number one reach uh, to, to try to destroy is the Middle East. And you go all the way from Libya. Uh, you go into uh, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. You go down into uh uh, Israel and Egypt, you know, that whole swath, uh, when the gospel went out, uh, when the gospel was out going out through the apostles, they had reached the known world at the time, during the time of the Roman Empire. And, uh, and it was during, uh, you know, of course, uh, Muhammad came along and began conquering. They had the Crusades that devastated the Middle East, and it's been devastated ever since. We'll see one day God is going to heal the Middle East. One day God is going to bring it, going to heal it, going to remove all the chaff. He's going to destroy those who are trying to destroy it. He's going to judge those uh, nations who have who have uh, divided up his land uh, that he had given Israel. He's going to hold them accountable. This is what we're talking about when we look at these verses. And this is a partial fulfillment. This, this just gives you a glimpse. And uh, <clears throat> now some people, though, now see, I, I see that. Now see, others, um, you know, can see in verse 20. Let me go up here. And this is uh, a sign and a witness unto the Lord, and that has a relation um, it would take place under the Ptolemies. Um, there was a large number of Jews under the Ptolemies in Egypt. Multitudes became proselytes to the Jewish faith up there while they were there. And so that's the that's the true faith in verse 20. But when you get down into some of the rest of this, the way it reads 
it shows us a prophetic fulfillment. And, uh, you know, we've um, known of this, you know, in scripture and Isaiah, and, and it's something that people do look at that, you know, they consider this. And, and it's an amazing thing when you see how much strife, how much hatred is going on and to think that the Lord would uh, heal this and bring it together. And he would actually get to the point where he said, Egypt is my people. Assyria is the work of my hands. And, you know, it's like you're, uh, and, and this is, uh, a typical thing, you know, we are the clay, he's the potter, you know, he forms us out of clay and molds us, see, and so when we see Assyria, we see the Lord taking the clay of Assyria and working it to make it into his people, uh, and Egypt is the same way, but it specifically says Assyria, they, the work of my hands, it, uh, it, <laughs> And it specifically says that in the connection with Assyria, which which means, uh, you know, it takes a little more work for Assyria, you know, and Israel, mine inheritance. Israel was a natural, although she was stubborn at times. Egypt uh, was go- was blessed. Uh, and, of course, Egypt goes clear back to the Pharaoh when the Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, he found out. He lost an army, his economy. I mean, the whole thing was a mess down there. So uh, I tell you, he would have remembered. Even after he after, after he died, he would have remembered uh, forever who the Lord was. You know, why didn't I pay attention here? Why was I so stubborn? Why didn't I listen to Moses? Well, that's the way people are. That's the way we are. Without the Lord bringing us through his spirit and get, putting the word in our hearts, we're we're totally, uh, you know, absent from the Lord. And so when you look at America, America was the work of his hand. America has been the work of his hands. Now, America is not perfect. That's why we're the work of his hands. I mean, he's worked to bless us. You know, we've had massive revivals, but we have gone astray today. We've gone astray. There's no doubt about that. And uh, right now we have uh, nutcases that want to get elected from the Democratic side. They want to take this. uh, Bernie Sanders wants to be socialist, and he has all kinds of things. He's already signing uh, things to, you know, that he's going to do as soon as he gets in office. He's going to start destroying everything and making it the way he wants it. Uh, And so these are the kind of things that are happening in America. America does not have a very good future. Uh, with all the enemies we have. And the reason we have so many enemies is because of uh, the fact that we have fallen away from the Lord. It is a fact that whenever Israel really started facing trouble with uh, nations round about or even within, it's because she uh, fell away. She had sins. And God always gives you over to your sins, always works with you in, in this manner. But he will send the enemies there to wake you up. And so uh, just be careful. You know, when you begin to fall away, even uh, the Apostle Paul talked about that, you know, that God deals with us as a father. Now, you see, when we get then in um, to part 34, and we're going to be into uh, uh, chapter 20, 
we're going to be talking about a, a warning sign. Now, see, this is one thing God does a lot is gives a warning sign. Um, and we find this within Israel. And, uh, and of course, in the first verse, it says, In the year that Tartan came to Ashdod, when Sargon, the king of Assyria, sent him and fought against Ashdod and took it. Now, Sargon is the founder um, uh, of a new Assyrian dynasty. Now, he reigned, now this is according to Opert, from 721 to 702. Uh, And so when we talk about Sennacherib, a Sennacherib came in um, in between 721 and 720. There's a little time frame that people see, but uh, Isaiah begins this in the year uh, that Tartan came to Ashdod. Now, Tartan is mentioned as, and he was a man who met with Hezekiah's representative, but Sargon was king. Uh, There was Shalmon, Sargon, Sennacherib, and Herzhaddon. Esar Haddon. Now, those four Assyrian kings made up the closing history uh, of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. They were around during the closing uh, uh, part of that. Uh, And so when Tartan came to Ashdod, the Lord God sent a vision and a word to Isaiah. And so this kind of gives you the history of it. Uh, So Sargon, king of Assyria... Uh, and he fought against Ashdod uh, and took it. And in in Second uh, uh, Kings eighteen seventeen, uh, this is where we find this little portion that Isaiah is talking about. Uh, and uh, here in Kings, of course, it has the history. The king of Assyria sent sent Tartan. And Rabsarius and Rabshakai from Lachish uh, to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool. And all this is telling you is that this is where Tartan is mentioned, a reference to Tartan. Tartan was sent by Sennacherib, uh, and they believe he's the same one that uh, uh, Tartan came to Ashdod, and he that's when Sar, uh, Sargon was the king of Assyria. I know it gets a little complex in here, but you see, the, the scripture doesn't give you, uh, you know, it's not like reading a history book who uh, has it all lined up. These are portions, little glimpses in here. Uh, so Tartan came to Ashdod and fought and took it. He was a captain, and, you know, he had the army, and he took it. He was sent by Sargon. Then when we look in Second Kings, he was sent by Sennacherib because Sennacherib was the king at the time. Uh, and uh, And we know how that all worked out. But in verse two, then see this is this all what I've been telling you here in verse twenty. That's history, okay? In the year that Tartan came to Ashdod, when Sargon the king of Assyria sent him and fought against Ashdod and took it. That's when the vision, right now in Isaiah twenty, came to Isaiah. 
There's other visions that came to him earlier. This came to him at this time when he took it. And at this time, it says, at the same time spake the Lord by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from off thy loins and put off thy shoe from thy foot. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. Now, see, whenever we see this, because we live, you know, we're in the West or in the modern world, we think, how could God send his prophet walking naked and barefoot? He, he did this for three years. But, <laughs> you know, when you first read it, I remember I read this years and years and years ago and thought, boy, that that's what we call uh, committed. <laughs> Okay, Isaiah, strip down and start preaching. Yeah, well, th- there are ministers that that do that. They've got the nude churches, which is totally out of the line of uh, of uh, the law and the truth. You know, the, this is that's after the flesh. That's not after the spirit. Period. So, at any rate, get back to here. Um, you see. In the East, there was great importance attached. This is according to Kyle and Deleach, a little history here. Um, a person was looked upon as stripped and naked if he'd taken off his upper garment. Uh, and uh, so Isaiah was directed to do what was opposed to common customs, not to moral decency. Uh, and he did that in order to get their attention. So they would notice. And here, um, of course, within that, loose the sackcloth, which he had on. And that was sackcloth was typical for a prophet like that. And uh, the loose outer garment of coarse, dark hair, cloth worn by mourners and by prophets, fastened at the waist by a girdle. Uh, and you can find reference to, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff. Uh, um, mourners will do it. You've heard of sackcloth and ashes, Zechariah 13, 4, uh, Matthew 3, 4, 2 Samuel uh, uh, three thirty one. But And naked, it's uncovered. He put off the outer sackcloth and retaining the tunic or inner vest. Uh, an emblem to show that Egypt would be stripped of its possessions. The very dress of Isaiah was a silent exhortation to repentance. And it's kind of funny when you when you talk about that, him walking around. He's there to give a message. And, of course, um, you know, maybe that's what we need in America, because in America um, we only believe things that we can really see. Uh you know, I mean, look at the Internet, look, look at your your smartphones, everything we have, our movies, you know, our high depth uh, televisions, you know, we're going to 5G on the phones and all the rest of the stuff. It's all this is wrapped up in what you can see. And we have selfies and everything like this. We have all kinds of churches and most of them are ignored by the common people. I mean, anybody, you know, they just ignore it. Uh, churches around here in America, are they're everywhere. And they have all kinds of different thoughts, all kinds of different theology. Uh, <clears throat> they even think of the Lord different ways. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, some of them are anathema. Some of them are right on. But see, that's the way it is. Uh, but see, if you are a true prophet of God walking around in America, he's going to give you something to make you pay attention to it. 
And, uh, and of course, you know, when I say that, I remember a true prophet that I knew. Uh, well, we, we call him true. He's dead now, uh, which was rather startling. But, uh, you know, hey, that's between him and the Lord. But, uh, you know, when God begins to move, it's between him and his prophet, not you and him and the prophet. And so we have Isaiah, and it says, Like my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and a wonder upon Egypt and upon Ethiopia. Now, you see, now verse 2 and verse 3, okay? You got two verses. At the same time spake the Lord by Isaiah the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from off thy loins and put off the shoe. Now that's when he began walking like this. All right? Verse 1, it tells you the time frame. In the year that Tartan came to Ashdod, fought against it, and took it, then at that time Isaiah began uh, walking without his outer garment in address to get their attention. By the time you get to verse three, the Lord now is saying, like my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot for three, for three years, three years for a sign and wonder. So in those little verses there, you have the destruction of, you know, the takeover of Ashdod. You have immediately Isaiah begins, uh, he takes off his outer garment and he, begins to walk barefoot and without his outer tunic uh, to show that uh, Egypt and Ethiopia would be uh, uh, pillaged. They would uh, have problems and uh, especially, and of course what we're going to go into is, is a description of what happens when people go into captivity. It's not a very pretty picture. Now see, um, during World War II, as I've said before, my dad was in the South Pacific. Uh, he was a Navy medic, and he stitched the people up. He watched people die, and, you know, there was a lot of them. But they were taking the islands back from the Japanese. The big problem you had is a lot of Americans, especially in the Philippines, there was the Bhutan uh, a death march uh, where all of the Americans, everybody that was there, were taken captive and taken into these, um, you know, captivity prisons that the Japanese erected. And a lot of Americans died in that march, a lot of them. Uh, so when we talk about the enemy and how they treat the ones that they were fighting, it's see, it's really funny because, well, it's not funny, but it, it, it's just funny in a strange way because today we even have uh, rules of war. You know, there are no rules of war, but we have, uh, you know, a Geneva Convention. We have certain things even during World War II that the Allies were supposed to follow, while at the same time the Germans didn't give a flip about it. Um, and so you you really have a lot of stuff when you, you get in the true thing, the Germans, and you watch the, how many of the Jews that got murdered, uh, they were literally taken captive after. The Jews didn't even fight uh, as far as that goes. They were just picked out. 
by the conquerors, the Germans, and were, were slaughtered. But they just weren't killing Jews. They killed homosexuals. They killed gypsies. There was a lot of other people that they were uh, getting out of their society. So when we start talking about uh, when a nation falls, folks, it's not fun. And so when we talk about America falling, um, you you don't want to be here when that happens. Um, when you talk about a nation falling away, uh, you can be here and it won't be a pretty sight. You, you And in between when it starts and it ends, there's that chaos in the middle where you have different powers trying to take over. Now, that's what happened in Egypt for, for and even in Ethiopia as everybody struggled. Um, but the bottom line of it is, is that uh, unless, like even in America, unless we can get a solid direction and get back on track, this nation is going to be led by nothing but uh, people that don't know what they're doing. Um, period. And a lot of people think that of Trump, but the bottom line of it is, uh, as far as unemployment, as far as things that he's done, uh, as he has made a lot of firsts that no other president has ever done. So whether you like him or not, he's going to go into the record books because he's broke uh, many, many records, many. Uh, but uh, the bottom line of it is right behind him. He's not going to stay president forever, although people in Hollywood think he will. Uh, right now, you know, uh, if he, if he, you know, uh, he's going to run next year or this year and uh, try to win another four years. But he's got uh, people that are total uh, in the opposite direction. Uh, they just totally out the other way. You know, uh, Bernie Sanders and Warren both will take money from the middle class and give it to illegal aliens, illegal people that come over here in order to uh, um, make this the socialist nations. They will take from you and give to other people. While you've worked hard, it doesn't matter. They come along, they're doing it. And this is typical. This is judgment. Okay. I don't like it. You may not like it, but that's the way it is. So when you get into this stuff now, um, and so the Lord says, I've, I've had Isaiah walk for three years. And during that time, Ethiopia and Egypt would have paid attention. Because when you have prophets of Israel that were doing something that were really, really, I mean, there was signs and wonders that followed these people. These people spoke and it came to pass. They were powerful. You didn't mess with them. They weren't there to be your buddy. They weren't there to do a jig for you. They were there in the name of the Lord, and they spoke only what the Lord said. And when he said, go do this, you went and did it. There was no argument. There was no nothing. They came. They spoke to you. And that's it. If you lipped off, if you tried to hurt him, you'd be in trouble. You could you could die. Period. But at any rate, verse verse four it says, So so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptian prisoners and the Ethiopians. Now this is both of them. Uh uh because there was an uh, an Ethiopian Egyptian type empire. Um but at any rate, the whole land because Assyria had uh, they were very warlike. Um, 
I think of Habakkuk, and I'm laughing because I remember Habakkuk. And if you've ever read Habakkuk's story in the beginning, he's fed up with the way things are in his in his country because of there's so much sin and iniquity. I mean, how often have we said that? And uh, the Lord said, okay, I, I've heard you, Habakkuk. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a nation into your uh, into your country, and he's going to they're going to I'm paraphrasing, rape, pillage, and destroy, and take you away captive, you know. <laughs> and and Isaiah, you can read this in the, in the first uh, ten verses of Habakkuk. Go read it. You it's just amazing. I've taught on it too. Um, and uh, so. Habakkuk questions the Lord. He says, so why would you use a nation much worse than we are to judge us who is really not that bad? You know, I mean, we're we're more righteous than they are. So why are they judging us? See, now this is the way you want to think. Well, there's more wicked nations. That's not the way the Lord works. The Lord works with each individual nation. And when their time is up, and we talked about that the other day, uh, even with uh, Abraham's uh, Abraham's vision. This is in our Friday when I talk about some of the details of judgment and how it works. Um, Because Abraham had a dream of darkness. And of course, that represented the children of Israel who were going to be in Egypt for all that time. But uh, he he tells uh, Abraham in that, that the iniquity uh, uh, is not full yet in the lands where uh, these people live. And when it becomes full, then the Lord will give their land to Israel. Now, this is the way it works. He's the governor of the nations. Now, you may not like that. It really doesn't matter whether you like it or not. This is the way it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, who are you? Who are we? Huh? What are you going to do? Write him a letter? Send him, send him a messenger? You know, go get you FedEx and say, I want you to get up to the Lord God and you give him this message right now. <laughs> yeah, right. In your dreams. You know, we're a bunch of punks down here. You know, we pontificate, we threaten, we hate each other. And on Twitter, you know, and all of our social feeds, we can kind of hide ourselves and we can be so bold. We're a bunch of chicken, lily livered punks who think we're tough. And everybody, of course, is has has something going for them. You know, well, I'm a this and I'm a that. And I've got this, uh, you know, I acted in this or I did this. And then you got actors who stand up and, and uh, rail against Trump because they don't like him. And you got Bloomberg who's railing against uh, just about everybody, including Trump. I mean, these people are just mere mortals. They're flesh. They're punks. All of them. You know, uh, the Ayatollah, he's a punk. You know, uh, the Communist Party in 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 China, you know, that are uh, have reason amongst themselves to uh, persecute the Christians. They're nothing but punks. See, and what I'm trying to get across to you to understand is when we're talking judgment, uh, your opinions don't matter. The only the only thing that comes into this is have you repented yet? That's about it. That's about all you've got, kid. And so within this, the the Egyptian prisoners and the Ethiopian captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, even with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. Now this is one of the things they did with everybody that they conquered in order to shame them. 
it's kind of interesting because again we need to be covered in the in the garden of eden adam and eve when they sinned uh they needed to cover themselves because they realized they were naked and even when the lord god came into the garden they hid and the Lord wanted to know why. And, of course, Adam said, we were naked and, and, and ashamed. He says, who told you you were naked? Well, see, they had been covered by the glory of God because they, they hadn't sinned yet. But because that glory had had faded away because of their sin, they were naked. So they had to put leaves around them. Well, the thing of it is, is that when we talk about nakedness in the presence of the Lord, it's very prominent, especially in Revelation uh, because when you get there as as a spirit and you put off this body, you're only going to be covered with the glory of God and the righteousness of the saints through Christ. That's that's the only way you're going to be covered. And if you appear before the Lord God naked, that's because you've sinned and you've never repented. Uh, this is the way it works. And so this, when we see this, this is the way they did it. They did it to shame them. Uh, to utterly humiliate them so they wouldn't rise up or try to escape or cause trouble. Uh, and it's kind of hard to escape when you're naked, barefoot, you're connected to a chain. Some of them had uh, rings connected to their nose and led by the nose. Yeah, that would hurt, wouldn't it? And so this is this is the way it is. And so you have to understand that that these pictures that we're reading in the prophets are there for a purpose to let you understand what we need to learn from this. And folks, we need to learn that within this, there's a lesson. And there's a lesson for America. There's a lesson for every nation. Because when God does judge, it's not pretty. That's why he doesn't judge when you think he should. That's why in all your, your well, God judge him. God send him to hell. No, we don't want him sent to hell. We want him to repent. Those people that bother you, that you don't like, and boy, today there's a lot of them. You need to pray for them. It's just like, uh, you know, those at the Mideast Bible, that's the ministry, and Pastor Paul and them. Those are leaders, but we've seen other leaders, real strong, uh, godly leaders who have been slain by the enemy. <clears throat> and we see it in China, too, when they locked up Wang Yi. You know, we don't want these leaders locked up. These people are are, are just, you know, invaluable to help their people and to lead people. But see... The Lord has already told us the way things are going to go. And so we need to understand this. We need to understand judgment. We don't want to be here in judgment. We don't want America to be judged. But the thing of it is, every nation is going to be judged. And these show you how God works. He warned them for three years that this was coming. So what do you do? Well, you get out of Egypt and you get out of Ethiopia uh, and maybe try to go somewhere that is a little safer. <laughs> you know, if you're in Judah, though, and uh, Sennacherib comes around and you're outnumbered, Hezekiah went to one and one only. He went to the Lord. And the angel of the Lord destroyed the army and Sennacherib was murdered. 
Now, see, you take your choices. And that's that's the way it is. And uh, God will find out. Everybody's going to, going to have to make a choice one day or another. So we're on part 34, Isaiah's prophetic book. This is going to be a long series, but we do them in short segments. And uh, so we're in no hurry because we want to glean everything we can. We're learning a lot when it comes to judgment. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, uh, for what you do for us and for your mercy. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, in the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word in Jesus' name. So, folks, uh, spread this around. Tell people. Tell your friends. Now, of course, they've got to like this kind of stuff, (laughs) you know. So uh, other than that, uh, we're going to have to get out of here in a few minutes. But uh, Tower, are you you around? uh, Go by warren-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. You can get a hold of us and read the articles, listen to the shows. Of course, we're on a lot of places now. So, okay, Tower. I can't hear you. I'm trying to get here. My phone was on mute. I was trying to get back to the phone. I'm here now. Yeah, I don't uh, look forward at all to the judgment coming. Not at all. No. No. uh, Yeah, we don't want to walk down the road butt-ass naked, you know, humiliated. No, I don't want to see it anyway. Anybody go through this judgment. I, I I would to God that people would wake up and God would repent of the evil that he has yeah, in mind. Would, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yes, it would. But people are stubborn today. Well, God gives them a choice. Yep. Remember, when, when God had, and this has to do with, with the church, he had, you know, I mean, people that... Uh, uh, were given the opportunity. There was five wise and five foolish. They were all virgins. Five wise, five foolish. Yep, That's a fifty percent that rate. Story. Yeah. So, you know, th- this is not a game. But uh, well, we're going to have to be getting out of here. Okay. Well, good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We love you. We pray for you. And may God bless you richly. Excuse me. May God bless you richly for all you do for him. Remember to pray for your brethren. Good night, everybody. Yes, be sure to pray for Pastor Paul and the two pastors that are with him to deliver them out of the hands of these Hindu extremists. Most of the time they try to get money there's no money around. We need them Sword delivered. Of... Yes. Yes. Amen. So good night, everybody. Shalom. Have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.